Welcome to the Las Doctoras podcast. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her. In this podcast, we make space for important conversations about the social issues that affect our lives and the lives of other marginalized people. We talk with thinkers, scholars, mothers, writers, and other visionaries invested in taking a hard look at the oppressive social dynamics of the world and doing the work of dismantling all structures of power. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom, academic research and lived experience while we sit together and share our insights, ponder ideas about how to heal from the generational trauma of white and male supremacy. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection of the multidimensional and complex experience of humanity, attempting to survive and thrive within the oppressive power systems we live in, all while we sit at our kitchen tables, sipping on some tequila, hoping to change the world. Bienvenidas! Hello, and welcome to, um, I believe this is episode 15. Um, It's pretty exciting. Um, This is our second season. um, So we're just so happy to be continuing to do this work. Um, In this episode, Christina and I are discussing our student loans. Um, We're also discussing really our relationship to money and finances in general. And I want to say that um, on one hand, this is a conversation that we've been having, you know, with each other for a while and um, expressing our frustration, you know, with, you know, student loans and and with money and all of that stuff. Um, But it was still a challenging conversation to have, um, knowing that it would be recorded and and it would go out into the public just because, um, you know, and, and as we get into discussing in the episode, there's just a lot of, um, guilt and shame tied to money or tied to talking about money. Um, and, um, so it, it took a, it required a lot of vulnerability, um, and a lot of kind of just, I don't know, maybe courage to really kind of put it out there, to really kind of speak out loud the challenges that we're having. Um, we even straight up say exactly how much we owe in student loans, which for me was just, you know, I think for both of us was something that, you know, we didn't really like to say out loud, right? Like we had to admit. And so I just want to highlight a few things that um, came up in that conversation. A few, uh, one of the things that really, you know, as I was listening back to it, realized was that there's often that, that, that shame and that guilt often comes from this feeling that if somehow we are in debt or somehow we have made particular financial decisions in the past that have put us in debt, that somehow that makes us unworthy or undeserving of things, right? Um, This idea that, well, if you can't afford to do it, then you shouldn't. And so feeling like um, we don't deserve to be able to to do things, maybe to be able to have fun and to splurge every once in a while. You know, this idea that our uh, debt (laughs) somehow equates to this moral judgment, right? That if we are in debt or we owe too much money, somehow that is a mark on our morality, right? That that makes us a bad person. I think in listening back to it, 
that was something, at least for me, that was underlying the idea of, of even judging myself so much like, oh, I'm, I'm an irresponsible person. I, you know, because I have debt, you know, um, and, and again, that, that really comes from these larger oppressive systems. And so of course, you know, because that's all we always talk about, (laughs) um, that comes up as well, right? Just recognizing how much of, um, whether it be loans, whether it be credit card debt, whether it be anything, right, that really serves to trap us in this sort of vicious cycle of capitalism, right? Vicious cycle of always owing money um, or always having to pay a debt one way or another, um, and that there's no real freedom, right, within capitalism. Um, so, yeah, so that's something that comes up too. The other thing I wanted to sort of, again, highlight before, you know, we get into the actual episode, as Christina and I were having this conversation and sort of venting our own frustrations with our financial situations, um, it also reminds us that as frustrating as frustrating as it is for us, we also know that there are people who have it worse, right, who have... Um, who are either in more debt than we are or, um, you know, are, are not in a place to be able to take out loans or, you know, you know, I have to acknowledge that part of my financial decisions have been to send my children to private school. And, you know, so I am in the financial um, conundrum that I am because of that decision. And yet even that decision is a privileged decision, right? So as frustrating as it is for us, we also recognize um, that there are people who are in, you know, worse off situations. And um, so this conversation is not only to vent our own frustrations, but to bring attention to how these systems are innately oppressive to so many. Right. Um, and we are sort of talking through our own um, situations in order to like illustrate how oppressive they are but again you know we have to recognize that if if we feel oppressed by these situations imagine people who don't have some of the privileges that we have right and you know in the episode christina talks about the privilege of even being able to take out loans and she you know is right to say that right um we have to think about imagine people who don't have access to um, to be able to take out loans and what barriers that creates to be able to do things. Right. So we took out loans so that we could go to school. Imagine people who don't even have that option. Right. And we might even talk about um, like undocumented people. Right. Who don't have access to financial aid um, and how it sort of, again, sort of creates these barriers in order for them to have access to these things. Um, particularly in higher education, right? You know, essentially at the end of the day, this conversation is really about pointing out, pointing out the overall predatory nature of loans and the ways in which education and capitalism work hand in hand to perpetuate oppressive systems, whether it be white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, etc. right? Um, just we talk about the ways in which we feel that and the ways in which it highlights that for us. Um, but obviously this, you know, this allows us to really see the larger ways in which this, <clears throat> these systems just create an oppressive dynamic um, for so many people. Um, and at the end of the day, we do need to be holding these systems accountable, right? We need to really look at um, 
look at, you know, how can we push back against these systems so that we are not sort of continuously living within this vicious cycle of, you know, predatory capitalism, right, and owing somebody. Um, and, and we do sort of get into the conversation of financial literacy and how important that is, but also recognizing that that's still a tool of capitalism, right? Um, and at the end of the day, we really need to be able to dismantle these larger systems to truly gain some sense of, you know, freedom and liberation. So um, please enjoy us <laughs> venting our frustrations about money and talking about sort of our long journey with money. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we do recognize how fortunate we are to to be in, you know, to be to have what we have. Um, and, and knowing that a lot of the work we do is, is obviously to free ourselves, but also to hopefully, you know, create the conditions for liberation for all people, you know, for people that are, are, you know, in much more financial constraints than we are. So thanks for listening as always and enjoy the episode. Today's episode, um, we want to talk about money. We want to talk about money. And we don't really. Why? I do and I don't. But I do. We do because we need to. Mm-hmm. We do because mm-hmm. it's a necessary conversation to be had. But we're definitely comparing it, like you know, to our first episode of last um, mm. last season. We talked about shame mm-hmm. and menstruation. And I think this is our way of diving into something else that we're often shamed about, which is money. Money. And debt. And financial responsibility. All that kind of stuff, right? Definitely, Mm -hmm. I think shame is the overall theme. While naming oppressive, like, abusive Mm. forces that keep us in debt and want us to be there and and also want us to feel that shame so then we're not holding them accountable right and then we're good laborers so let's 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 okay yeah okay so what's come up a lot for christina and i is you know recognizing that we both you know we have phds we are las doctoras and I, the way I tell my students is, all that means is that I owe much more in loans than, <laughs> than you do. Um, and that we're going to be paying off loans quite literally for the rest of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Unless, Obama, you come through for us, so that pays you <laughs> earn, which I hear is not coming through for people. Um, and so we both have had this ongoing conversation about like our student loans and we've even sort of tried to manifest it getting paid off. (laughs) Right. We've, we, we're, we're putting that out there. Um, and I, and I know I've sat with my debt with particularly my student debt and, and sort of looked at it because, and there's been a lot of talk about it in the media too. So, um, Hassan Minaj on Netflix, he has a show and he did a whole episode uh, Patriot Act is the name of his show and he did a whole episode about student loans and, and how predatory huh? your boyfriend and my super crush I love him <laughs> he's funny and smart and cute that's like perfect <laughs> I just saw him in another movie actually recently and I was like oh there he is he's in this movie super anyway. hot and super smart so anyway so he did um, this whole episode on like the predatory um aspect of like loan companies or whatever and then he actually just um uh testified before congress about it 
Yeah, it was really interesting. I saw it. Yeah. I, I did see that episode. It was good. Yes. And I was like, and what it did for me is it was like, okay, one, I'm not the only one. Two, it's not me. It's these these loan companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it comes back to is that like, I, I so anyway, so I was saying that I've, I've spent hours like looking at my debt, trying to do the math and like, how long is it going to take me to pay this off? Like, what does that actually mean? And then there's so much vague language even so we're both in programs where we're, we're paying according to how much we make. Um, mm-hmm. and that in this program, you can even your payment. So, you know, they sort of calculate what your payment should be based on how much you make. And some people will even have a zero monthly payment. I do right now. That's which is amazing. I do not. <laughs> but part of that is because I have a joint income, which gets into a whole other conversation I'm going to talk about. But, um, but it shapes our lives, right? It, it shapes our lives. In part, I'm not legally married for this reason. Right, right, exactly. And I and I am just so, in part though. And so that it, it which proves that marriage is not beneficial to women, mm-hmm. right? But anyway, mm-hmm. I got married for a lot of other reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, so like, I've been thinking like so. Part of the thing is that when you do when they do calculate your payment, that payment doesn't go towards the principal; it goes towards the interest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they set it up that way. On pr- you can't change like you can't you can't say oh let me have it go towards the principal. That is part of the program, mm-hmm, right? That you mm-hmm. are saying you you'll be a part of this program if you agree to these terms. And the terms are that you pay into the interest first. And so of course, if you're not paying into the principal, then the interest keeps compounding. And so. Mm-hmm. You are them. never meant. You, you're never meant to pay this mm-hmm, off. Mm-hmm. And I remember literally sitting there after hours of calculations and math, and finally coming to the conclusion that I'm never going to pay this off. I thought, what the fuck is this shit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, there's so much shame tied to like finances and you know this idea of like, well, you wanted to go to school, so and you wanted to take out loans, so this is your fault. You know, you shouldn't have done that. Um, so mm. in my efforts mm. to want to mm. release that shame and destigmatize the mm-hmm. shame, I think I, it's important for me, it's important to be transparent, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm always so like vague about how much money I owe because I'm like, if I tell people how much money I owe, they're going to think mm-hmm. that I'm irresponsible, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. that I'm bad with money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> So I'm gonna put it out what there. What part of your chart is doing this? I just love it. You're just like ready, and you do that, and I love it. You're like, we should do this, when and it, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm maybe a, I'm all maybe. water signs. There's uh, there's some know. fire. There's, there's gotta be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here it is. Love it. I'm putting I pulled, I pulled mine out too. So, so we pulled up our debt here. Okay. As a as a this is I think this is this is part of our our ceremony of releasing the shame of our financial guilt. <laughs> Uh, and this is, mind you, this is just my student loan. This is not even credit card debt mm. that I'm also feel made to feel ashamed of, right? And we'll get into that. But so I owe $161,808.28. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you have an interest rate average uh, and lower than lower mine. than yours. Damn. I know. We're I, both here on our on our computers looking at our debt through Fed loan servicing. By the way, right? Just to demonize them. Political meets uh, corporate. Anyways, um, I owe one hundred twenty two thousand three hundred fifty three dollars and forty three cents. Yep, that's it. Okay. <laughs> 
And it's so interesting because anytime that I have kind of told people, and I get very vague, I'm like, oh, I owe a hundred and something thousand. Like, I really, there's, in the moment when people, not oh, that people I don't owe as me, much as other people. Yeah, like, I get, but I get very, like, I, I do feel this moment of shame anytime it comes up, like, oh, I don't want to tell people, or oh, like, mm-hmm. it, what does it say about me? Um, and and then sometimes I will say, oh, I owe, like, a hundred and something, and people are like, oh, that's not that bad. There's people who are like, to 300,000, I'm like, what? And then I don't feel so bad. And then right. it, like, it puts it into perspective for me. And I think it's like some like, tw- you know, 18 year olds, 20 year olds now, like in just for their undergrad, you know, mm-hmm. are owing this mm-hmm. much money. So we are, I mean, we're like the, f- the foremothers of great student debt or something <laughs> like that. And we have a PhD. So I know we're, I, like, I feel like I'm qualifying. <laughs> It is. I mean, this is the process. Like, we're still trying to, like, justify it, right? We're saying, like, oh, but, you know, like... um, And so the the dynamic that I want to point out here is that... And and how this has come up for me is... So we send our our kids to a private school. Um, I have two kids at this private school, which is, you know, a decision that was not easy for me to make. Mm -hmm. It was about a good year of me going back and forth, exploring all my different options in terms of, you know, the kind of education that I wanted for my kids. Um, And so we finally, after a lot of soul searching and, you know, Mm -hmm. we, my husband and I decided we're going to make this financial commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was contingent on us being able to get financial aid from this school. And so part of that financial aid process was we literally had to divulge Everything, everything, bank accounts, credit card accounts, student loan accounts, um, you know, I mean, our bank accounts even, like, just, you know, what do we spend our money on? So much more than, like, when you apply for pay-as-you-earn, you know, or something oh, yeah. like that for oh, yeah. income-based repayment. It doesn't even get into I mean, taxes. what they asked you we had about. To show our taxes. We had I'm to still astounded. We had to write about, like, how much money do we spend on vacations? Like, how much money do we spend on, like, um, you know extracurricular activities like we had to we i mean we pretty much had to give them our fucking no wonder your apps and everything or you know what you're spending money on i i have to know because and and mind you those are hoops that i'm willing to jump through because i need the financial aid and i really am passionate about my kids going to this school so i was willing to do that but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's frustrating because in the process of doing that i was like even my husband and i were both like what are they gonna look at like are they trying to look at like what we're spending our money on in terms of um, like our our frivolous spending or like you know what like my has Tommy was like um, are they gonna say we spend too much money on Postmates <laughs> <laughs> right or like oh. I heard I heard they did it right I think we talked about this because there were certain people who were claiming needing financial help when they didn't. They were buying, like, Land Rovers or something like that, right? Yeah, or like, there yeah. were people who had, like, you know, big, huge homes and all this the stuff. The fact that we even have to have this conversation, though, Exactly. Just... Because, so, on the other hand, I was... So, I started to think, like... So, I started to feel shame around my expenses, right? Like, oh, fuck, maybe I shouldn't have spent all that money on Amazon, and I should have put that in an account and paid tuition with that, or maybe I shouldn't have... But that Amazon money, some of it goes to the school, right? <laughs> They get a percentage. I but think it was like twelve cents, honestly. And like, I must have spent like it's a fraction of a, a yeah. percentage. But anyway, um, what I started to realize was that there is this sort of overarching notion that um, that if you um, if you have debt, 
that that's that's a mark of financial irresponsibility. And you should be continuing to live in poverty. Right, and that you shouldn't if if you can afford right. What is that? Her name Susie Orman. I I can't stand her. I think there's some skills there that are important, but she comes from this idea of like, well, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't do it. Right. So, but what does that mean? That if we can't afford to throw our kids a birthday party, our kids shouldn't have a birthday party. If we can't afford to go on vacation, we shouldn't go on vacation. It's just such a privilege. If if we can't afford to go out and have dinner every freaking once in a while, we shouldn't do that. Like, it's essentially telling people, and I, and I, and I have, I get really weary about using the word poor because I don't, I don't necessarily think I'm poor and that I know where my next paycheck is coming from. I think I'm broke. <laughs> right? And I think there's a difference between poor and broke. Totally. Like homeless and houseless. Yes, right. Totally. And so, um, but I think it's, let's say the 99%, right? Like, you know, like there's a way in which we're, we're told that it's our responsibility, the financial situation. Poor people are poor because it's their fault. Yeah. Because they don't try hard enough, because they don't know how to save, because they don't know blah, 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 blah. And yet at the same time, capitalism is set up is set up to have you wanting to overconsume. Right. So we get these like antagonistic messages of like, well it's your fault if you're in poverty, but spend all this money buying all this shit that you don't need, right? And let's mm-hmm. create these these consumerist needs. Um and um so it just it gets very frustrating, you know, um at the very least. But again coming back to like our student loan debt, like I made to feel like or even any debt, even credit card debt, right? Like, oh, you sp- you 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 max out your credit cards, and you know you need to work on paying off your debt before mm-hmm. you do spend money on this other thing, right? right? And so it's like, I shouldn't I shouldn't be able to indulge because I owe money, right, or because I have debt. But then other rich people, so so indulgence Who has the most debt. Pleasure, luxuries are only for rich people. Is yeah. that what we're saying, right? Yeah. It's such an abusive system. I mean, really, we're just calling it out. It's, like, abusive. And then also, this conversation we were having a little earlier, who actually has the most debt? Like, it's usually people of wealth, you know? Yeah. So interesting. But then the conversation comes back to marginalized people. It was, like, it makes me think that Joe Biden thing that he said, right? There are white kids and there are poor kids. <laughs> and I thought, yes, that's how, that's, how, that's how it's viewed, you know? Like, and that's how it's perpetuated, I think, too. Yeah. Um it's a big one yeah it's it's i think it's my frustration just comes to like the idea of that the onus is on individuals for their financial situations without holding larger systems accountable right so another thing that comes up is okay so the reason that i had to take out so many loans was because um so i have a master's and um, I took out, and and this was back when they were still giving subsidized loans, meaning that you weren't accruing interest. Yeah. So, but halfway through my master's program, they stopped subsidized loans. So I have one subsidized, one unsubsidized, just for my master's mm-hmm. program. Then when I went into my PhD program, so I think my first two years I was on a fellowship where I had a stipend, or first year maybe, and then in my second year I started to TA, and so part of a TA ship is that they pay your tuition, mm-hmm. 
And you get a stipend, but you work for the university. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all know that that stipend is ridiculous, Mm-mm. right? It's it's almost unlivable. It's like one of those internship situations, you know? But, right, exactly. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And so I think I was taking out a little bit of money just to kind of supplement what mm-hmm. I needed to live on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at some point, so when I when I um, when I got ABD, <clears throat> so when I took all my qualifying exams and they're like, okay, here, go write your dissertation, Tommy and I decided to move back to, so we were living in Riverside, so close to the university, you know, mm-hmm. I was at UCR, um, and the cost of living out there is so cheap, so we, we were able to kind of manage it. Mm-hmm. But the but, feeling of living out there, but the, feeling, the psychology the, the psych- of living The out. emotions, like, we just were not happy out there. Mm-hmm. We weren't close to family, which we were always so used to being close to, you know, the, our friendship, you know, just any, everything. Our lives were not out there. And it's hot. <laughs> it's super hot. <laughs> so we moved back. We decided to move back. And um, and at the same time, we were also planning for a family, you know. And mm-hmm. I was approaching 30, and that was something that I really, mm-hmm. you know, we were like, this, it's time, you know. So we were making all these decisions. And so what happened is that getting pregnant, moving out here, mm-hmm. we thought, okay, I can... So my, here were my options. My options were I could TA at UCR, mm-hmm. right? Meaning that I would have to commute from Long Beach, mm-hmm. right? Or I just take out loans. Mm-hmm. And so we opted to take out loans. And at the time, I was very, like, out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not having to pay these loans back, so I'm just going to fucking take out as much as they give me. I still feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, and so here I am now, like, on the other end of it and thinking, like, and retrospectively looking back and being like, maybe I should have just bit the bullet and commuted. But then what would that have required, right? So if I, if I did not want to take out any loans, my other two options would have been this. To stay living out in Riverside, mm-hmm. possibly hold off on having a family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and trying to, you know, finish as quickly as I could. The other option would have been to have a family out there and not have family close by to help mm-hmm, me in that mm-hmm. process, which we all know how great that works. Right, exactly. Or to be commuting, which would have meant spending hours a day just getting to and from campus, not mm-hmm. to mention the work that I would mm-hmm. be doing on campus. Mm-hmm. And we all know people who do that. And we all know people who do that, um, and and that is the choice that they had to make, and yeah. we, and we want to honor those choices, um, and that I I had another choice, <laughs> and the other choice was to take out loans, yeah. not commute, and what that gave me. So what the what the payoff of that was was that. I was able to only have to teach three classes, meaning that, um, so there were times when, and I had, uh, you know, I went back to work when Cruz was like seven months, and um, so there were times when I would go to work, come home, feed him for as many times as I could, and then go back to work. Mm-hmm. So I was able to have um, that relationship, right? Like, I was able to have a breastfeeding relationship, and even though mm-hmm. I did pump, I didn't have to pump nearly as much as people mm-hmm. who have these long eight-hour work days, yeah. you know? So I really got to have and enjoy um, my children in their infancy and in their early childhood, you know? I got to go to, you know, be go to parent-toddler classes and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and all of that came at the expense of now I have to pay off these loans for the rest of my life. But, you know, it's still a, cho- a privilege of a choice mm-hmm. to actually say, 
to take out money. To take out loans. That's not allowed to everyone. And then what that choice gave you was this to time as a mother, mm-hmm. you know, time as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, people, some people don't have those choices, you know? And it's, and it's such a, a double-edged sword because on one hand, yeah, it's like, yeah, I got to do all of that. And on the other hand, it's like, now I'm paying for it. You. you know, and on the other hand, there's no winning. No. So Mm-mm-mm. other people chose to tough it out, commute, mm-hmm. you know, spend hours away from their children, mm-hmm. right? And feeling Live the in guilt. in different countries from their children. I mean. Feeling guilt that comes with that, feeling um, emotional distress that comes with that, feeling the stress of commuting, right? So there's always a price to pay. Mm-hmm. And that is the part that frustrates me. So I'm yes. paying it in my loans that I'll be paying off for the rest of my life, which puts me yes. in some financial constraints. Other people paid it off ahead of time with stress and, um, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to be there with their children as much mm-hmm. as even they would have liked to, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. always a price to pay mm-hmm. for the things that we want. And I think that that's the frustrating part is recognizing that there is no... There's no... Whatever choice you make, for as privileged we are to make those choices, there's still no freedom within those choices. We still want to call, like, these choices not what we really want. You know, freedom from from that yes, right? Like, mm. The other thing that I often hear with loans is, like, um, like the argument against loan forgiveness, for example, is like, well, they chose to go to school, so, you know, or if they couldn't afford it, they just shouldn't have gone. And so, again, what does that mean? That we, if we couldn't afford it, we shouldn't, so only people who can afford it should be able to go to school? And who the fuck are those people? Yeah, we all right, know traditionally who- white male class privileged people could only go to school. So, and now they can know, and there's so the argument ones. is racist, sexist, classist, everything, right? And yeah. that, so that's such a ridiculous argument, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we can't afford it, we shouldn't go. It's like what we really should be saying is that everybody should be able to go to college. Everybody should be able to go to college as far as they want to. Everyone should have time with their families and not be limited by the you know financial feasibility, right? And then to say, well, that's your punishment now. You wanted to get your PhD. You wanted to take out loans. Now your punishment is to pay them off for the rest of your life. I mean, I do want to say, like, when we talk about an abusive cycle, we talk about different people who are a part of this. Um, Often we hear it as, you know, um, perpetrators and survivors of, you know, Mm -hmm. um, relational violence, if you will. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they, you know, court and then they act out and then they ask for forgiveness and they court again like mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I think the government and this is this is doing to us you know yeah. I think we've been courted since we were kids to go to school there's such a a high value placed on that and we can speak of that particularly like in the Latinx world you mm-hmm. know like and then you hear some money and some of it's grant money and some of it's subsidized and some of it's you know um, Loan. and then and then here's like the the payback, you know. And then we're gonna bring you in again because you know what? If you want to defer these, <laughs> you can come back in, and we'll or, just keep charging you interest. Yes, yes. We'll just keep charging you interest. Honestly, I and then and then to take on like commuting, um, isolated nuclear families. It also those are all a part of abusive relationships. I mean, you know, like you isolate I said, yeah. and you make people like work really hard to do simple things like go to work. And it's and it's there, like I said, there's always a price to pay. So 
you know, and, and somebody that keeps coming up for me a lot is Lucha. So she, mm-hmm. you know, we had her on our podcast and, um, doctor, doctor Lucha <laughs> Arrevalo. Yes. Doctora. Um, so she was one of those who I know that commuted back because we went to grad school together at UCR and, and I know that she commuted back and forth and, um, and I just, I think about like the stress you know, I, I haven't necessarily talked to her about that, but I can only imagine the stress that that creates, especially when you have a, a young child. And mm-hmm. I mean, I commute to Cal State LA and that's rough. And my kids are older, so I'm not trying to always rush back to get to them. <laughs> but it's it takes a toll in that when I get home, I'm so exhausted yeah. Yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine her being in a grad program with the stresses of that, with the stresses of a newborn and all of that, and, and, and many other people who do that. I know a lot of people who do that. And if you're not in L.A., I just want to describe L.A. traffic is... I mean, it's not Manila traffic. I just want to like, or like, you know, <laughs> I'm sure like Mexico City traffic, but or like, like New York City, it's not like a parking lot yet. But it is getting closer and closer, yeah. and the commutes are getting like twice as long. It's really yeah. wild. Yeah, and it's you know, I mean, so anytime you're in a car for longer than thirty minutes, it's just really not healthy. And so think about that, right? Like the compounded unhealthiness of being of commuting. The stress, right? Like, essentially, yeah. the commute commute makes us unhealthy yeah. and shortens our lifespan, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to shorten our lifespan one way or another, I guess is what I'm saying. It's all yeah. part of a genocidal project, right? They're either going to kill us by stressing us out to the max by having us commute so we don't have to take out loans, or they're going to kill us financially mm-hmm. <laughs> and the stress of the finances, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're going to get us one way or another, I think is what I'm essentially trying to say right there's no way out of capitalism right there's no freedom so the other thing i want to get into before we kind of finish here is um financial literacy right so there's a lot of talk about the importance for financial literacy which i think is important right we need to um, know how to navigate these systems, right? How to read a loan document, how to read a, a bank statement, how to... We need a CPA. Anyone? <laughs> We're asking. Can somebody come help us? Someone really trustworthy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, when we have to file our taxes, we have to know how to yeah. do that. And there's so much that goes into like understanding the language of finances. And yet... That will still not free us. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so I wanted to talk about, you know, I think I go back and forth. I Well, number one, I feel ill-prepared when it comes to financial literacy. There's not someone in my world. Um, actually, shout out to my cousin Sean, who helped me the other day, but he's in <laughs> Seattle. Anyways, um, but in my, in my close circle and in my upbringing, money was not something that um, mm-hmm. I was taught how to handle. I learned by experience, and I'm still learning, and um, it stresses me out completely. And so I've had moments of um, like great um, spending like for education, because I always felt like I could do that. That was a worthy thing to do. Um, and so this is why I have this student debt, and with that I was able to not just do like, um, you know, education within this, within a, a schoolhouse, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a building, but actually, traveling and exploring mm. and then learning about different things honestly it paid for um my my phd was 
a life, you know, yeah. like it was amazing. And so I would never take that back. But then my usual MO that I was talking about earlier is that I live in scarcity. Mm-hmm. I don't actually spend money. I think I don't have money and it's a way to like protect myself and I have to create a budget. So I will like step into like abundance, you know, I have mm-hmm. this money to spend, you know? Yeah. Um, but also coming from this place of like maybe just basic distrust of money, of, of myself, you know, um, being able to handle it, you know, um, I know people are like, you get cash out, you spend through credit card or, or I don't know, like, yeah. but altogether, I just, uh, it's, it's almost like it's, you know, the thing that should not be named almost mm-hmm. in my, in my, in my psyche, you mm-hmm. know, and that's why this is like probably so powerful yeah, it, to do it's, this. It's definitely, you know, coming from working class families, right. Who are just trying to put food on the table and, you yeah. know, and then here we are like, having our PhDs and, and, and I think too there's also an expectation that comes with that right like there's this assumption oh you have your PhD that should give you more freedom than the generation before and in fact not only is it not but it's actually because of the overall Change economic changes mm-hmm. right like it's actually giving us less economic freedom right mm-hmm. like whereas mm-hmm. my parents owned um, they were able to sort of own like apartment complex like an apartment complex and establish credit that way and then eventually buy a home you know mm-hmm. and, and then own a second home I mean not a second home but you know sell that one and buy a new home um, me and Tommy are like mm, I don't know if, mm-hmm. if owning a home is ever going to be mm-hmm. something that we can afford right and also this also comes back to decisions right choices so in our youth <laughs> in our 20s <laughs> We spent a lot of our time traveling. We spent a lot of our time indulging. We went to Vegas a lot. <laughs> I always tell Tommy, you know where our money our money went? Our money went to Vegas. If we would have just saved all that money, we'd have a home. But at the same time, I've always said, when I look back on my 20s, I don't regret it because I, 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 I had a good time you know I I was able to enjoy my life but again now I'm sort of like okay not sure if I'll ever be able to to afford a home and it's also because I've we've made the choice to spend the bulk of our money on education well two things I want to say about that I think I think sending our our children to a school where we think they're seen as a full human being and not just a boy (laughs) is a big deal I just want to, I think that's our way, it's our huge. feminist action in the lives of our, you know, kids assigned male at birth. This is, this is something that's very important to us. Yeah. Second, I don't think renting, I think the, the way mm-hmm. that we talk about renting is off, is, is, you know, it's, it's abusive too. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, um, you have a pretty good situation I here. I do. You have a relationship with your, your landlord, right? Yeah. Who lives next door. My landlady. Landlady. <laughs> and, um... And there is this sensibility that I think in pre- in previous years where you 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 are a, a landlady or a landlord and you land people what do you I don't know land Anyways, person land person <laughs> and you um you're renting to people so that they can afford a house in the future I've heard of this mm. you know this kind of like we're gonna help now rent is so expensive and then also. Long Beach has no renters' rights, so right. The reason I, you know, sought out a, another home is because they said sixty days notice, no reason. They don't have to give it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I was like, if I don't have to do that again, I'm not going to do it again. So it's just an it's abusive. 
as it is. And yeah. it doesn't have to be. This is the thing, yeah. you know? It's the norm. But we're saying... Well, it's like, you're right. And and I, and I do want to say that um, I am I am very grateful for where I live, regardless of, you know, the renting situation. But I, I have heard a lot of, like... The language I often hear is, well, why waste your money on rent yeah. when you can use that towards a mortgage? <laughs> and I'm like... You act like that's a fucking choice for me. Like I, 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 I have no. Cre- I mean, I have credit, but it's bad credit, and and again, that's so much tied to shame, right? Like you have bad. Cre- like I mean, literally, the the way they grade credit is like poor, you know, fair, <laughs> I'm sorry. good, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, wah, wah, wah. like I get the little sad face oh, I'm <laughs> when my credit score comes up. And and it, and it's like again, it's like it's your fault. It's your fault that you don't know how to spend your money. It's your fault that you are in this situation. Now that doesn't mean that I shouldn't have some accountability, but we have to look at it both ways, right? We can, and this is why for me coming back to sort of financial literacy, like yes, it's important for us to understand financial literacy, but we still have to hold these larger systems accountable. We have to do both of those things at the same time, because at the end of the day. Like Audre Lorde says, mm-hmm. the master's tools will never dismantle mm-hmm. the master's mm-hmm. house. So we mm-hmm. can learn financial literacy all the F we want. Capitalism is still going to find a way to kill us. It's right. still going to find a way to get at us. Because it's about freedom. And whether or, you know, I, you know, I have good credit and I save, I'm not free. And yeah. you, you know, we are and even from a, different places. A mortgage is still, you're just renting from the bank. Yeah, the bank owns my... Right? Like, yeah. when people talk about, like, oh, don't waste your money on rent, I'm like, but you're you're taking out a mortgage, which means that you owe this... Like, it's yeah. still, it's still a... Yeah. a there's still always going to be a power dynamic. You're still not going to own anything yeah. <laughs> at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. You, and on the contrary, and <laughs> I'm not trying to say, like, shit on you for owning a house but on the contrary <laughs> like you have the responsibility when you own a home right so like this is a lot i know i feel like <laughs> i am i am like when something breaks down i'm like oh gotta call the landlady to come fix my sink you know, know. <laughs> but by my landlord my land you know my property management company would never come fix things this is so oh yeah it's just yeah we all do what we need to do to survive and to try to thrive in the world we live yeah. in. Honestly, I feel like I'm using language when I used to work for a sexual assault crisis hotline. Mm-hmm. And people were like, maybe I shouldn't have. I was like, you made the best choice that you could have made in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you survived, you know? And, yes. and and you are surviving. And I feel like that's the kind of language we're using yeah. with ourselves right now. You know, we're doing the best, best we, we can. can. And also, like... Just to come bringing it back around to shame, like, um, so we're we're told, you know, all this responsibility is placed on us as individuals. All the all the, you know, it's our fault. Without holding corporations, without holding predatory loan companies to account, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you took it out the loan, right? Um, but at the end of the day, we're told to feel the emotion is shame, right? Like, we're told to feel ashamed about it, so then we don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So then we mm-hmm. don't want to admit that mm-hmm. we need help we need a CPA, mm-hmm. right? Because we're mm-hmm. afraid to talk about money because mm-hmm. we're told that it's your fault that you're in this situation. Mm-hmm. So then if we talk about it, it means that we're in a situation. To We have to admit that we're in a situation to begin mm-hmm. with, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just so much shame tied to us that creates silence, mm-hmm. right? It silences us from wanting to seek help, wanting to 
a lot of shooting, right? We should on yeah. ourselves. We just like, we should know this. We should know this, right? We shouldn't yeah. be in this situation. We, um, and that we should also feel guilty if we want to indulge and splurge even mm-hmm. if we owe all this money even if we have so much debt mm-hmm. like we don't mm-hmm. deserve mm-hmm. to go out mm-hmm. and have fun mm-hmm. because we owe all this money and that's something that comes up for me a lot right like it, you know when i want to either buy something for myself mm-hmm. or you know when we're like going out and we're like god like <laughs> you know all right. this money we're spending you know and i think it's then also- it's like so we shouldn't enjoy ourselves right I think the other thing is, I think these celebrations, these indulgences mm-hmm. are highly curated mm-hmm. by um, by media messages, by corporations, yeah. right? They're saying, here's how you should indulge, you know? Yeah. Here are your choices. And mm-hmm. they're all actually meant sometimes, not all, I don't know, all meant, but uh, to... To, to gather get, to give you more keep you more on board of things you know it's like again it's like that abusive cycle it's a vicious it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, vicious, like it's the, a vicious cycle but I think it's it's for me I've had to really sort of process like the releasing shame and guilt when I want to enjoy myself totally. you know like Tommy and I are going to Vegas <laughs> <laughs> which you know in our youth again we used to go a lot and um and that was our our form of self-care right our form of like let's get away because he he he's you know started working in his career when he was like 19 you know so he was working full-time at 19 and going to school you know my job was always primarily to go to school um which has its own stresses right and so Mm -hmm. it was always like oh let's get away you know Mm -hmm. and because you know we did have some (laughs) the money at the time you know mm-hmm. and had no foresight <laughs> um you know we did it and so now we haven't been able to do that right like we don't we don't get to do that as much as we'd like anymore and so when can you imagine that feeling of freedom i'm sure i remember those moments where i was like i have this money yeah Let's i'm gonna go. buy this ticket to malta i'm gonna go you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and actually it was my abuelo who was like a thousand dollars is not that much it's so interesting mm-hmm. you know who, yeah. who was the person to like say that's worth that. You yeah, know? my mom. My, well, my mom and dad were both, but my mom was always. She was the one who told me like rich people are just more in debt. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, huh? How does that make sense? Right? Because there's uh, my brother often comes up. He he was he has really good credit because he was always the type to not want to have any debt. Mm-hmm. He always was able to stay out of debt. And he's very um, was it f- uh, frugal. <laughs> he's very frugal and you know um, and and smart. You know quote-unquote, <laughs> with his money. I say that not because he's not smart, but because the way we define what that means. But He's in math, right? Yeah, of course. Could he be our CPA? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's he, Well, anyway, what I, what I mean to say is that, like, he was so caught up in, in not wanting to, to have any debt that at some point he didn't have any credit because he didn't take out any credit, yeah. right? So yeah, that yeah. even worked against him, yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Like, you have to have some debt in order to have some credit in order for people to give you more money to buy a house. So when he was trying to buy a house, that was the situation that he was in. He had no credit because he had no debt. Financial literacy. Should this be, like, a high school class? <laughs> yes. They talk about how we shouldn't learn about, like, algebra, even though algebra is part of it, but, like, that we should really learn... Um, like that, like like basic economics, right? Like how do we how do we make a budget? How do we you know um, yeah. understand credit? How do we yes, yeah, totally financial literacy. Totally. You know? And there's a lot of people I think doing work around that. Um, I know gender, ethnic studies, and financial like economic studies. But like the 
but the real, you know, the real, yeah, something real practical, Mm -hmm. you know, um, anyway, that was a lot, that was a lot, that felt good, did I feel cathartic? We're gonna ground ourselves now, that's right, we do want to transition, and we want to bring this into practice, um, our intention is every episode really coming back to this place, and this place we're gonna call, um, Ancestral messages. Yes. Is that good? Yes. Yeah, it yes. is. Yes. We want to, you know, in, in coming into our new season and kind of, um, I think in our growth process, what we've realized, and both in, in terms of this project with the podcast and also with our book mm-hmm. project, you know, Semillas de las Abuelas, really wanting to make space for more ceremony and create space yes. for more connection. And I think I want that. having, having, um, what we're about to do coming into our podcast allows the podcast itself to be a ceremony, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, we're calling this segment Ancestral Messages. <laughs> um, so aside from all the other wonderful projects that we're working on, part of our the book project is that we're working on an oracle deck. For our children. For our yes. children. So a children's oracle deck where... Um, Christina is blessing us mm. with her art. It's a practice that I need to come back to in my new place where I try to wake up, not check my phone, not check my email, not work, you know, not give energy, but to like embrace energy. And I get a lot of energy from doing just small watercolor pieces. Mm-hmm. And then if I keep it under like five or 10 minutes, um, which is interesting, right? With my son, then he can, he does it with me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, gotta, it go, if it goes yeah. over, it goes yeah, over yeah, yeah. and it's not, it's yeah, not, you know, it's too much. So this particular piece, um, that we're drawing from today is the Amigas or, um, I like how in, um, the Moon Within, Aida Salazar says Ami Friends. It's like Amiga, Ami, Amiga, Amigo, and Friends together. It's mm-hmm, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Or the Friends card. And um, what do you see? So I see, um, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six ocean beings. I love it. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it seems like they could all be in the maybe whale shark family, mm-hmm. dolphin-ish, um, but also you just never know, right? Mm-hmm. Also very different sizes, mm-hmm. all different colors, mm-hmm. um, and they're all coming from different directions into a center. That's what it's I like see. It's like this aerial view I was imagining. Like they're mm-hmm. even, you know, mm-hmm. under the water, uh-huh. so you're just seeing... Um, a group of friends come together. Come together. Yeah, come together. And I like the the idea of like the circle because they're all coming from an equal place, mm-hmm. right? It's not like mm-hmm. they're sitting across a table or it's like they're all coming mm-hmm. from where they're coming from to this circle that creates like this. And they all have a place in this circle. Yes. Yes. So, mm. um, aside from the the art that we're creating for this oracle deck, we also have some words. That's that's my part. <laughs> so the name of this card is um, friends, amigos, friendship, amistad. You mm-hmm. know, kind of working through some stuff. But we want to sort of create um, 
a little sort of saying. So I said, playing or talking with friends can be so much fun. Mm -hmm. And then a reflection. So making new friends can be fun and exciting. And it can also be a little scary when we first meet people. But once we get to know them, we can learn from our friends and have fun playing with them and have wonderful adventures with our friends. Making new friends challenges us to learn about people and share time and space with others. It helps us to make connections and feel loved. Right. Play, belonging, growth. I love it. And I think I want to record here, you know, that our sons are in school together today. (laughs) We drop them off and there's this beautiful little thing happening where Jaguar, you know, takes a moment to cry when he gets there. And Santos will come and sit next to him and then they'll go out and play. Or today you drop them off. I dropped them off and they were both waving to me, you know. And and, and Jaguar said, my mama's going to be at your house today. I said, yes, she is. I just want to remember this moment forever. It's a beautiful thing to have friends with kids that are friends. Yes. It's beautiful. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's so important for me. I know when I was writing the words to this, I was thinking of particularly Santos is such a social butterfly, which is so interesting for me but Cruz is a little bit more hesitant and it takes him a little Mm -hmm. bit longer to kind of make friends but I also want to honor that right that it's Mm -hmm. okay that it takes a little longer but that eventually those friendships can grow you know and Mm -hmm. and and that just because it's hard to make friends doesn't mean you shouldn't try Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um and that's he's very much like me I'm like that so I do want to say that what comes up for me in this card as well is the friendship I think that's blossomed for us mm-hmm. <laughs> in that our, our children could be friends in that we can do all these projects together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we've both kind of been very public about feeling grateful and blessed to have yeah. met each other. <laughs> I know when I was writing that, you know, line and I give you the copy of bad feminist that uh-huh. I had and I thought, what do I want to say? And it just came. I was like, Thank you for being the most wonderful thing that has, you know, ever happened in yeah. my life. And it feels, it's, it's, yeah. it's real. You know, however we move forward, very grateful for yeah. the now and, and this past year and a half or two yeah. years. I, I can't even remember. But. And I think that's, that's also a testament to when there's such, when things come together in the way that they're mo- meant to come together, which I think you and I have come together through a higher power, um, then it also lends itself to create things, right? So we've been able mm-hmm. to create this podcast. We were able to be an old magazine. Like, all of that mm-hmm. is a testament to what you, like, the, 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 what is it? The, whatever power we bring as individuals and we bring into this dynamic together is what allows all these other things to flourish. Yeah. I don't think I would be able to do it by myself. Yes. <laughs> you know, or even no. in another dynamic Mm-mm. right i think that what is coming out of our dynamic is because of you know yes. whatever however we're fitting together magic the magic <laughs> the magic and the ancestors like thank you you know yes. the ancestral message you know here we have um yeah, yeah. thank you ancestors for you know we our ancestors parallel lives our ancestors got together that's what it is they were like these two need to meet we need to make it happen. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. I feel you. Well, that wraps up this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so and um, we're hoping to be getting out episodes pretty consistently. I think for the first few months here, it'll just be mm-hmm. once a month. Um, and then hoping we'll talk to- about body. We'll talk about 
gender roles, mm-hmm. in in partnerships, parenting, just so much on the table. All kinds of fun stuff. And um, yeah, please join us with yes. your oh, tequila follow, and your frijolitos. Subscribe. Yes. Comment. Please. Um, leave a review on iTunes. Tell someone else. Pass on that yes. Oprah, you know, um, uh, article. Yeah. We support us in support. any way you can. Yeah. All right. Adios. Bye.